0: Dictated is almost always the case during my 50 mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, from my personal mobile studio, which once again is the Jetta Diesel TDI. And I am uh, distracted, folks, because so I'm passing a giant truck carrying a giant structure that looks an awful lot like an underground structure, like something you would bury as a shelter under the ground. Pretty cool. Um, a self-contained, it looks sort of like a giant RV Much wider than an RV would be though Uh Oversized load uh, Air vents, no windows Completely sealed Only thing I could see it would be I guess a survivalist has ordered a big time shelter Somewhere um, east of Dallas-Fort Worth Based on the direction the guy's traveling Well, cool Anyway I won't be buying one anytime soon. Not quite my shade of survivalism, but good for the guy that's doing it. All right, today what we're going to do is, is number one, I want to tell you first of all, I am back in the Jetta Diesel TDI. I am back in my personal mobile studio. It feels good. It hasn't felt right for the past couple days. Uh, I think I've got this car broken in the way I like it, uh, and it is a much superior automobile to something like a uh, Chevy vault. Uh, somebody in the, in the blog, suggested that I would be better off with a Geo Metro, because it'll get better gas mileage, and it's easier to repair. Um, Again, I want to make sure you understand, I got bad fuel. Really, really, really bad fuel uh, in in the Jetta diesel, which is what killed it off. It wasn't a little bit bad. Um, It looks like now that the ass clowns running the station that I filled up at, um, the guy pumped gasoline into the diesel tank. All right, so no vehicle's going to run well with that. I promise you, if you put diesel in a Geo Metro, you're going to have an even bigger problem than I did. Uh, so it's nothing against the car. And on the Geo Metro, folks, you know what? You want to survive? I, I wouldn't get in a Geo Metro. Getting a wreck with that thing. Anyway, uh, that was an aside. Let's let's continue on with the uh, show format. Intro segment: Ask clowns and heroes today. Ask clown of the day, directly related to what I was just talking about. There's so many people that could be ass clown today. Mel Waxman from the Congress is asking all the insurance companies to give them open book policy and let them see all their executive compensation and stuff like that. and all. But that's going to be everywhere. This one's going to sound self-serving, but honestly, folks, this is the most um, useful ass clown I could have for you today because there's something you can actually do in the future, and it's going to save you grief. I had my car from Enterprise Rental Car. While I was running a car and waiting to get the jetted diesel back. Um, they charged me $31 a day on a special for a Chevy Cobalt, which is a little puddle jumper piece of shit. And uh, they said it was a special deal. And I said, okay, fine, it's a special deal. Um, I didn't think it was a special deal. I went home and I looked at renting a car across the weekend from their website. And lo and behold, from the same location, I could have got a Chevy Cobalt for $25. Uh, But then Monday came and I couldn't get my car back Monday or Tuesday. I had to turn it back Wednesday. They charged me $62 a day for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. 62, they doubled the rate because they said the special ended on Monday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which just happened to be when I rented the car. This is not unusual for enterprise locations to just randomly change numbers and things. And I could have argued, and I could have went, and I went, and I pulled up on their website the day I turned the car back and said, okay, what if I rented it on Friday and turned it back on uh, Wednesday, just like I'm doing. I got the same rate on the website of $25. The, The lady had the audacity to tell me that I was lucky that the rate today was actually $82 had I been renting the car today. $82 a day for a Chevy Cobalt. Um, We've had problems with Enterprise before, folks. So when they were doing this to me, I said, you know what? You don't have to do this. You could make this right. Um, And if you don't, I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you that tomorrow morning I'm going to tell 8,000 people to never, ever do business with Enterprise Rent-A-Car again. And um, I don't think she believed me. So she said, are you unhappy with the service you've got? So it's not the service. It's the way you're charging me, do whatever you think is right. And she went to start running the charge and said, well, would you like me to pull it up and show you on my system where it says that it's $80 today or whatever? And I said, no, just do what you think is right. And that's what she did, and I paid the bill. Now, why did I pay the bill? Why didn't I go there and make a big stink? Because I don't want this to be about money. I do not want my money back from Enterprise Rental Car. It's not that important to me. It's only money. And what we're going to talk about today is going to tell you why I don't worry that much about money anymore. So it's not about money. It's about principle, and it's about the fact that I care about you as my audience. And I'll tell you what. I've done business with dollar. I've done business with Alamo, and I've done business with Hertz. Every single one of them has always treated me right. They've always honored everything, and they've always gone out of their way to help me if there was ever a discrepancy. So I'm telling you that those three I can vouch for. Enterprise, I say don't. The rest of them, I don't know you're on a crapshoot there. But just like I would tell a friend in a bar over a beer or in a coffee shop over a coffee, 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 Do not do business with Enterprise. Unfortunately for Enterprise, I just told 8,000 people that. And uh, I'd like this to be a lesson, hopefully, for a lot of companies out there that are taking their customers for a ride on a daily basis. The gatekeepers are falling to the side in modern society. And it used to be you screwed a guy like me and he told two or three people that didn't even remember. Now you tell a guy like me and 8,000 people find out. And they each tell two or three people. That's what happens. And there's going to be more and more people like me. So if you're running a business today, big or small, take care of your customers and treat them right. Oh, and on that note, I have a new slogan for Enterprise. They have that pick Enterprise will pick you up nonsense. Their slogan should be Enterprise will take you for a ride. And it should be said the way a couple of Italian guys from East Jersey would say it. So there's your marketing tip there, Enterprise. All right. On to the hero of the day, something a lot more positive, Rachel Guzzi, 16-year-old young girl um, from New York, who was sitting in a bus, a camp bus, with nine other children on their way, either to or from summer camp, I don't remember which one, and she was talking to the driver of the bus. She asked him a question, and he didn't answer, and the next thing she knew, he collapsed, and like a lot of buses, they had the door open on the bus, you know, so that air would come through through the bus. He collapsed and fell down the stairs and out the door, and the bus was still running and heading for an intersection. This 16-year-old girl, without a second thought, jumped into the seat and slammed both feet on the brake as hard as she could. Uh, It did go through the intersection and hit a minivan, but because of her actions, no one on the bus and no one on the street and no one in the minivan was actually injured. So this young girl that understood the most important fundamental of survival, what you do matters, didn't just help out and ensure her own survival, but the survival of the passengers of the minivan and nine fellow children on the bus with her. Um, I did not read the man's condition in the article. I hope that he's okay, too, uh, but this girl is undoubtedly the typical hero in America that doesn't really get talked about or understood, or the news sensationalizes. I just want want to recognize it real quick and say, hey, this is proof that anybody, when they're in the right place at the right time that takes the right action, can make a difference and help not just themselves, but other people survive. Well done, Rachel. Salute to you, ma'am. All right, so let's move on from there to the housekeeping segment. Uh, number one, make sure you're supporting our advertisers. Again, they, my advertisers are personal endorsements, and they are vetted by my listeners' uh, ad council, which are my moderators on the forum. And uh, I don't think anybody else takes the approach I do with advertisers. I will turn them away, and I will turn them away quickly if I have an objection or if my, my, my moderators have an objection for some reason. Um, on that note, our advertisers of the day-to-day are tactical response gear James Jaeger's operation excellent equipment excellent training check them out um, it is important for you if you're going to defend yourself to know how to defend yourself and to be equipped to defend yourself tactical response gear can help you with both of those and then our next sponsor today is Safe Castle Royal uh, absolutely outstanding group of people uh, great folks Excellent discount membership program that they have there, and I'll tell you how you can get a lifetime membership to their discount program in just a second for absolutely no cost at all to you. on the next thing, though, make sure you're getting involved with our forum. Uh, I really want as much community built up here as possible. We just recently crossed 3,000 members, 3,000 real members, because my moderators will clean out spammers quickly. Um, we have deleted over 3,300 accounts since the forum started up and ended up with 3,000 real members that are actually human beings that participate in the forum and in the discussion. So reach out to your fellow community members, and uh, I think you you will learn a lot and gain a lot by being part of our forum. Next, if you think this show's worth 20 cents an episode, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You'll get exclusive content available only to members, including an absolutely free lifetime membership to Safe Castle Royals Discount Club that I just talked about, and some publications by James Talmad Stevens. Total retail value right now is $64. I'm working to try to increase that number, but it's $50 a year or $5 a week, so your first year of membership dues are covered in the freebies that you're given on day one. And you'll help support this show, and you're helping me folks by being Support Brigade members get to a point where I can do this show as a full-time thing. And that way I can make the show even better, bring in more guests, do more things for you, uh, stuff like that. On that note, next week I'm at Dirt Time 09 for the entire week. Initially I had planned, I'm just going to take a week's vacation, I'm not going to be here, there won't be a survival podcast for a full week. I thought about it, I didn't think that was fair to you. I, I thought that my audience deserved a show, every day if I can make it, I don't know if there will be five next week, there will be at least four, because four are already done. I did one on a commute home, and I've done three interviews, one with Trioxin from our forum, also our global moderator, uh, known as Matt Hundley. Uh, We talked about a lot of great things. Uh, I had Johnny Max and the Queen on this week for an interview. Uh, I had Eric Sheldon from uh, the the, uh, uh, Handgun Podcast on last night. So those four shows, at a minimum, will air next week while I'm gone. I wanted you to know that. I also want to note real quick, next week, um, if you send me an email saying you need some help or need tech support or something like that, you'll probably wait a long time before you're going to get a response. If you lose a password or anything like that, um, it's just going to be a delayed time. There's going to be a large period of time where I'm not even going to have a computer anywhere near me. I'm going on vacation. I apologize for the delays. I will catch up as soon as I can, and I will take some time on my vacation uh, two or three times throughout the week uh, to log on with my AT&T wireless card and do what I can to help you. But I'm going to tell you, it is a vacation, and I owe it to my family to make it that way. Just wanted you to know that. So let's get into today's main topic. I know that was a long intro segment, but there was a lot to cover today. And what we're going to talk about today is debt. And I know for some folks, it doesn't sound like a survival topic. Folks, you got to listen to this show today if there's any debt in your life. If you owe a nickel to anyone, you've got to to pay attention today. And if you know people that are struggling with debt, and you're looking for a way to introduce them to the Survival Podcast, or just help them, right? If you don't think they're going to pay attention to anything else we talk about, this is a show to share with them. I want people to understand the prison and the slavery that debt represents. If you understand that, you will you will flee from debt at every opportunity. I want you to understand what I mean when I say debt is financial cancer. I say that a lot. And every time I say it, especially when I say it in print, I take flack for it. People come back and say, well, you're overreaching, or that's a little bit melodramatic. Come on. It's not cancer. It doesn't kill you. Well, first of all, not all cancers kill. But a lot of them cripple, maim, and destroy quality of life. And they take away years from people's lives, even if they eventually get cured of them. When you start thinking about it that way, debt starts to look a little bit more like cancer. Another thing is, debt sometimes does kill people. There's been plenty of suicides committed by people who have gotten so deeply in debt and become depressed from it and have eventually put a gun to their head or took a long walk off a short rooftop. It has happened. So debt has killed people. Again, it starts to look a lot more like cancer. But those aren't the things that I'm talking about when I say that is cancer. I want you to understand how cancer works in the body before you know you have cancer. You look at the person on the outside, they look healthy, they look active. You know, maybe they have an occasional little plunge of pain somewhere that they ride off as just being, hey, you know what, sometimes your body aches, sometimes your chest hurts, sometimes your arm hurts, whatever. But inside them, there's that tumor that's growing and reproducing and metastasizing and spreading throughout their body. And they'll look really great right up to the point where the cancer totally manifests itself and then they crash. And everyone around them is sure they're going to be around forever and they're doing just fine. And they're sure they're going to be around forever and that they're doing just fine. But the cancer, like an evil, maniacal villain, is inside their body, slowly breaking them down and ripping them apart. This is what debt is doing to the American consumer every day. The similarities are almost eerie. And as I've been saying lately, there's nothing new in the world. Nature has already set all the patterns. All man does is mimic them for good or for evil. When we created a debt-based system... We've mimicked the cancer pattern almost perfectly. Let's think about it this way. Let's look at two guys. We'll call one John and one Tom. John and Tom are both married, 25 years old. They've completed their college degrees. They've got entry-level positions. They work their ass off. They've done fairly well for entry-level positions. They both make about $50,000. They're both married to women as well. Uh, We'll call them Tammy and and Jacqueline. Tammy and Jacqueline are making about $40,000 a year each. Both families have a household income of $90,000. John and Tammy... Right? John and Tammy have no student loan debt because they worked their way through college. Tom and Jacqueline are sitting on about oh let's be let's be conservative. Two degrees? Um, ah, sixty thousand dollars of college loan debt. Sixty grand. They they both borrowed thirty thousand dollars apiece to get through college. Which means they actually did work while they went to college and they did pay quite a bit out of pocket. Right, But they are in debt, $60,000, or two-thirds of their annual salary they're already in the hole for. But you know what? It's okay. They don't even have to make a payment for the first six months after they get out of college. And then they only pay a certain percentage of their income, and it's a small payment. And they just say, you know what? We're going to pay the minimum on that. Eventually, we're going to make a lot more money, and that problem will go away. That's all we're going to do. There's no reason to do anything else. And some financial advisor tells them, you know what, guys, you're young. You have the rest of your life. Let's free up money for your investing. That's a good plan. So that's what they do. Now, the next thing, of course, is that Tom and Jacqueline have worked really hard through college. They're driving old beater cars. So they go out and buy two brand-new cars. And they spend $30,000 a piece on the cars. So now they have another $60,000 worth of debt. So now they're $120,000 in debt. And uh, our friends, uh, John and Tammy, decide, you know what? Uh, this isn't going to work for us going in a debt rate away. we are proud of the fact that we suffered through school with these beater cars. We'll drive them for a year. So they drive them for a year and then they upgrade themselves one car at a time and they go out and they buy some used cars for about five or six thousand dollars and they stay dead free. Another couple of years down the line they're able to buy their first really new car, they pay cash for it. Maybe it's a couple of years old, but it's it's basically a new car. And eventually they end up driving two sorta of new cars, mid priced vehicles. That's what they do. Both of them eventually decide it's time to start a family. And uh, they do that, and, you know, the majority of that's taken care of by uh, their health insurance at work. So they don't go deeply into debt for that. But as the children begin to grow... Tom and Jacqueline decide that they need to be involved in every sports activity and things out there. And gosh, you know, we're going to need an SUV to cart the kids around. So they go out and they buy themselves a $60,000 Cadillac Escalade while they're still upside down on one of the vehicles. But what the hell? It's just a car payment. You're always going to have a car payment anyway. Ten years later... Our couples are both 35 years of age. They've been married for 10 years. They have kids. Let's say their kids are 7 and 5 each. They look like typical, normal families. John and Tammy are living in a modest home in suburban America. They paid $120,000 for. They're making a $1,000 payment on it. They have a couple uh, late model, decent-looking vehicles sitting in their front yard. Their kids are involved in school and normal activities, uh, and they're debt-free. And because they've worked hard at their jobs, they're now pulling down a household income of about $150,000. Looking at them, you wouldn't call them an affluent couple. You would say that they probably make the same amount of money as the many people that live around them that have household incomes between fifty dollars and $80,000. But yet they're living there, and their kids are learning how to grow up without just getting everything the day that they want it, surrounded by other kids that don't get stuff every day just because they want it, and working hard to get themselves through school and life just like their parents did. But looking at them, they look like your typical middle class, to even on the lower side of middle class family. Right? They don't have new vehicles or what have you. Now, we look at Tom and Jacqueline. Tom and Jacqueline have a beautiful Escalade. Tom's driving you know, a Lexus or a Mercedes or a BMW. They're living in a $400,000 house in a gated community. Now, they also have a $150,000 household income. When you look at these two people, who looks like they're more healthy? Who looks like they're doing better? Who looks like they're going to have a better retirement? Who looks like the smart couple from the outside if you don't know anything about them? Who gives you the image that they're a high-powered executive couple, even though they're middle managers? And who gives you the image that maybe they work in a factory somewhere, even though they're also maybe middle managers? Whose kids are going to have a better shot at getting through college debt-free? Who's more likely to have had funds to set up a college fund? Which marriage is more likely to run into trouble due to financial stressors and debt? Which couple could sit down now and look at their financial statements and retirement projections and realize that they will still be in debt at 65? And which couple is likely to sit down and look at their financial projections and go, Honey, you know what we could do right now? We could pay off the balance of this house and we will never have a debt again for the rest of our lives. Which family is most likely to survive? And which family is more likely to be torn apart by the ravages of stress that come with debt and eventual bankruptcy. Which family is more likely to survive if one of their spouses loses a job? Which family is more likely to be able to set up systems of redundancy and decrease their dependence upon the system? Which one? You tell me. Now, since they look healthy, right, they look very, very healthy on the outside financially, but they're being eaten apart on the inside, you tell me that doesn't look like cancer. And this is the trap that most of America is in. And I want to explain something to you folks. Without any kind of you know Illuminati, New World Order, backroom deals, it doesn't require any of that. That's exactly where most of America is supposed to be today. That is how the system was set up. And it was set up that way for a reason. It was set up by the fascists in our government and in our corporate boardrooms today. And when I say that I get flack. Oh god, Jack, now you're calling them Nazis. I'm not calling them Nazis. Fascist and Nazi do not always go together. Please understand it. Fascist is an economic system. It is an economic system whereby government and business works together in a way that is neither communism nor capitalism, but an in-between motive operandi, right? A way that is part of each. It's part socialist. It's part capitalist. In this system, the divisions of the classes, the middle class, the upper middle class, the affluent, the lower class, those divisions are seen as advantageous divisions of labor, and they are leveraged by both the corporation and the government to ensure that the class structure remains in check and those that are in power stay in power and maintain control and create order of civilization based on class division. That is a textbook definition of what fascism is. Now you look around in America today and tell me that's not what we have. We don't have a society where government, and a, our, our big corporations both utilize those class divisions our government and the, those giant corporations do not work together you tell me who you think has more influence a United States Senator or a lobbyist with a billion dollars in his pocket you tell me which one can get more things done faster one Senator or one lobbyist with a billion dollar a year budget that's the fascist system we have today now how do you get that system in place How do you get a system where government can remain in power for decades? We have congressmen, that their first job was being in government. 30 or 40 years later, they're still congressmen. Or they've moved up to senator. And then some other schlub has moved into their congressional seat. How do you get a system like that to work in a nation like America that was founded on individual liberty and freedom? It's very, very difficult. Because you have an independent people that have been that have been drawn to this nation from the concept of, I will provide for myself, I don't need from somebody else. So the only way that you flip that dynamic is to create slavery, and you can't enslave the American people with chains, because they will take out their guns, and this is not revolutionary talk, it's reality, if you try to put chains on the American people, they will turn on you and they will shoot you. And you will have a blood in the streets revolution on your hand, and there is too, there are too many people with too much power in this nation that will not submit to slavery directly, period. End of story. It ain't going to happen. And the military's not going to turn on them because they'll be backing them. If we ever got to a point where all this New World Order, order nonsense, where really they're going to come out and round us up and throw us in concentration camps and all this other stupidity, it ain't going to happen because you can't do it here. So you, you use a much more subtle bait. You start whispering things through your marketing plans both from the government And from the corporate world. They whisper to you, You deserve it now. You deserve it now. You can have it now. This is why you work so hard. You can have it today. You shouldn't have to wait. Why should you have to sacrifice? It's a a consumer-driven world, and there's nothing wrong with that. They whisper these messages to you until they become part of your psyche and you begin to believe them. And then you go into debt. And once you're in debt, you don't control your destiny. The person that holds your debt controls your destiny. You now, just like the coal miners of old, work for the company store, And you will never get out until you accept the fact that it is a trap and you make a decision. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. I want to talk to you about how the hell to get out of the mess if you're in the mess. Step one is absolutely free. It won't cost you any money or any sacrifice whatsoever, but it's going to lead to costing you money and sacrifice. I'm going to be honest with you about that. But it's the first step you have to take, and until you take it, it's not going to matter. You have to decide on your own, enough. No more. Not another penny shall be spent with debt, and I will now view the debt that I have as an evil enemy in my life, and my number one priority is its elimination, and it is going to happen, and I'm going to make it happen. That's step one. It sounds too simple. That's why, people, don't do it. If you're thinking, that's just too simple, shut up and do it. The reason people don't do it is they say it sounds too simple. They say it's like, oh, some kind of magical cantation or something's not going to work. That's not why they don't do it. They don't do it because they fear it. They fear it because they know it will lead to a radical change in their lifestyle. It will lead to, i got to pull out the MasterCard, the Amex, and the Visa, and I've got to take a pair of scissors, and I've got to cut them all in half. And I've got to accept the fact that all of the luxuries that I've been living on, up till now, I've got to start doing without, and I've got to go on a restricted lifestyle until I eliminate this. I have to be willing, as Dave Ramsey says, to live like no one else now, so I can really live like no one else later. That's the decision that has to be made. What does this have to do with survivalism? My system of modern survival will not work with a debt-ridden lifestyle. That doesn't mean you can't start storing food and building a garden and everything until you're debt-free. In fact, I don't think you should wait. I think you should do a lot of these things concurrently. But if you are not on a plan for debt elimination, if you do not know how much money you owe, how much you're chipping away at it every month, and what the speed of eradication is and you're not looking for ways to, to speed that process up on a daily basis, it won't work. Because you'll destroy Tenant One before it ever happens. Tenant One, modern survival philosophy. Everything that you do should improve your position in life now, even if nothing ever goes wrong. Even if there's never a disaster, every step you take in your survival preparation should make your life better today. And, tomorrow, and in the future, even if nothing ever happens. Well, if you're not taking debt elimination into that equation, you can't honor that principle. It is impossible. And I'd like to talk to you guys now. I know I'm going to get it. I'm not even going to read them this time. I'm not even going to respond to them this time. Every time I talk about this, I get them from you. Emails and blog comments and forum posts about not all credit cards are bad. I pay my balance on time every month and I get airline points. All credit cards are bad. They're evil. Let me ask you a question. If I handed you a three fifty seven Magnum revolver, Dan Wesson, you open up a cylinder and you look. There's not a single bullet in there. You look down the barrel. You've cleared the weapon. You've spun it around backwards, forwards. You can see into it even when it's closed. You know that gun isn't loaded. You absolutely know. There is no way outside of some mystical... Power creating a bullet out of thin air and placing it into the chamber. There's no way that gun will fire. Would you cock the hammer, put it in your mouth and pull the trigger? Even though you know that gun's not loaded? If you would, you're not very bright. And I think most of you would go, hell no, I wouldn't do that. What the hell does that have to do with a credit card? The danger of a credit card causing misery in your life, if you continue to use it, even if you're paying the balance every month is greater than the danger of an unloaded gun going off you've placed in your mouth and pulled the trigger. You wouldn't do it with the gun. Don't take the risk with the credit card. Let me uh, address all the objections you're going to give me before you give them to me, because I want you to understand how important this is. Number one, well, Jack, I won't be able to rent a car without a credit card. Really? Uh, I paid off my credit cards over two years ago. I cut them up over three years ago. I've rented multiple cars, including the disaster with Enterprise just happened. I used my debit card. So can you. All you need is a debit card with a little Visa symbol on it or a MasterCard symbol on it. So that's a lot. Well, if I don't build my credit with a credit card, I'll never be able to get a mortgage for a house. Wrong. If you have at least 10% of a down payment, which you will if you're not blowing your money with a credit card, and if you can't save 10% of a down payment for your house, you can't afford the house anyway, and you go to a bank that underwrites its own loans, and you take that 10% of money with you, and you have good, stable income, and you can prove that you have some cash and savings, and that you have enough income to pay the loan, they will give you a mortgage, even today, even after all the mortgage fiascos that went off. In fact, they are looking for you right now. And any other excuse you give me, I'm going to tell you either it's wrong and you don't need it, or you know what, you can do that with a debit card. And then here's the big one. This is the thing that people don't grasp. How would you like this deal? I'll make you a deal right now. Whatever amount of money that you spend for the next 10 years, 10 years from now, I will write you a check for 10% of that spending. Now, I'm not going to include your house and your electric bill. Just all the stuff that you buy. You know, groceries, uh, consumer goods, uh, no cars, no houses, no general day-to-day bills. But everything else that you buy, every fast food meal... Um every gadget, every gizmo, every book, everything that you don't really need you just buy because you want. For 10 years, I'll give you a check for 10% of it back. And some of you in the pool, I'll give 15 and basically somewhere between 10 and 18%. I'll just randomly pick a number and give you that amount of money back. Would you like that deal for me? Let me put it another way. If I was a multi-billionaire and I made you that deal, I said, all you got to do is save your receipts and bring them to me 10 years from now and I'll give you that check, would you not only do it, but would you also say that anybody that wouldn't take that deal is a fool? Would you say that? Anybody that wouldn't just, all you got to do is save your receipts and this crazy billionaire dude is going to give you a check for 10% of your spending after 10 years? You're a fool if you don't do that, right? Well, you know what? It's been proven time and time again, even people that pay their balance on time and avoid finance charges, late fees and interest, spend 10 to 18% more than the average when they use credit cards because they don't have the physical connection to the money flowing out of their pocket. So, if you would be a fool... To not take my check for 10% of your spending in 10 years, you're a fool to spend the 10%. You don't have to just because of the psychology of how you spend it. And I'm sorry. That's what you're doing. And you've got to dig out of that hole. Now, is there any good debt? Is there any debt that's good? I don't have a problem with a person with a good solid down payment, the right financing terms, that needs a new vehicle paying for a new vehicle with financing. I did it when I bought the Jetta Diesel. I also paid it off in two and a half years on a five-year car note. So I do practice what I preach, folks. And it took sacrifice to do it, but we did it because it was a smart thing to do, and it's now empowered our lives. And now when we have a hiccup in our life, like a big repair bill and getting screwed by enterprise, it's not that big of a tragedy because I also don't have a payment going out the door on the vehicle. So I'm okay with that if you have the ability, if you lost your job, to still make that payment and all your other bill payments for six months. If you can't, you don't need to be financing a vehicle. I am absolutely okay with you purchasing a house with a mortgage. Absolutely. I think that makes perfect sense to do. But again, you follow the same rules. Can you make the payment for six months without any income? If you can't, you're not ready yet. I know you'll have to sacrifice. I know you'll have to wait. But if you're living in an apartment that you're paying $600 for, and you're going to buy a house you're going to pay $1,200 for, right in one year you've got another 3 months of longevity saved up that's another year i know it sucks But just by taking the spread and taking the extra $600 you would pay anyway, you create another 90-day cushion. You're going to be a lot more comfortable buying that house. You have to understand, especially if it's your first house, the houses are more expensive than you realize. When you move into a new house, you start to realize all the things that you don't have. And my advice for you on that, the first thing you do when you move into a new house, nothing. Best advice I can give you, do not convince yourself that now that you have a new house that your old refrigerator isn't big enough anymore or that you need a bigger lawnmower than the one that you were able to get from your Uncle Dave and you need a riding lawnmower for your .25 of an acre or any other crap that you think you need now that you're a homeowner or a bunch of landscaping materials or anything like that for your first 60 days, buy nothing other than absolute essentials for your home. You will adapt your way of living to your situation and then you'll be ready to make decisions about what you really need versus what you just thought you needed or even wanted. And again, this is so important because it's a big part of how, you know, um, Tom and uh, Jacqueline ended up at thirty-five, six $600,000 in debt. And it's a big part of how John and Tammy did not in our original story. So let's close up with, well, let's say you're in debt. How the hell do you get out? Well, it, this is not my system. All right, The guy that's made this system the most famous is a guy named Dave Ramsey. It's not his system. This system is as old as people getting in debt is. It's been around forever. Uh, Dave markets it as the debt snowball. I'll call it that because there's no better word for it. And it's very simple. You look at all your debts. You take the smallest debt, and you go through and you cut your budget, and you increase your income, you do whatever you can to get surplus cash flow. You give blood twice a month. You you deliver pizzas. You do whatever it takes, but you come up with additional money to pay on the smallest debt. You don't care what the interest rate is. And you pay on the smallest debt until it is eliminated. And then you take the money that you were spending on the debt, all the extra and all the basis, and you apply it to the next debt. And you do it again. And you keep scraping and scrimping. And what happens is by the time you get to the fourth debt, which was your biggest debt, it's easier than paying off the first little debt. Because you have the compounding effect of all the other debts and all the other payments and all the other surplus adding up on that last debt. And that last debt just flies to the ground. That's how you get out. There is no other way. You know all those things you hear? There are mortgage programs. There are, there are secret programs that the credit card companies do not want you to know about. Call one-eight hundred screw you today and we'll help you get out of debt and we'll stop the phone. Okay, there are no secret programs that the credit card companies do not want you to know about. Those people are freaking liars. They are scum-sucking basement room operators. We're a legal program where attorneys help you. They have one attorney that's picking his nose and eating Twinkies in the back and a bunch of boiler room operators that are making phone calls and taking phone calls that doesn't work it'll destroy your life it'll destroy your reputation it'll destroy everything and you'll stay in debt longer with those programs You pay the money you owe. You spend it, you pay it back. That's called integrity. We need more of that in this nation. That's how you get out. Why is this so important? You will never be able to get where you want to go carrying debt. It would be like I give you a nice car. This classic 78 Trans Am. Smokey and the Bandage Trans Am. And then I load the trunk with lead bricks until the fender wells are rubbing the tires. That car is made to run 150 miles an hour, make high-speed turns. It's made to run hard and fast and get you where you want to go. It's made to look good while you're getting there. But unfortunately, you can be outrun now by that crappy Geo Metro somebody suggested I replace my Jetta Diesel with. That Geo Metro will blow your doors off, and if you try to keep up with them, you'll actually tear the car apart. Because it can't run that way. If you drive a little bit at a time, get out of your car and unload some bricks. And keep slowly making your way down the road. Eventually, the car will start to perform the way it's designed to perform. And eventually, you'll realize that, hey, it's time to just stop, and these bricks are weighing me down, and I don't want them anymore, and you'll unload every single brick. Even though they seem like a lot of work, and they're jammed in there in a hard way, and it's difficult to get them out, you'll get them out of the trunk. And once you get them out of the trunk, now you can race on looking really good and really hot, doing 150 miles an hour, and that Geo Metro will never catch up with you ever again. That's debt, folks. If you see patterns and everything I talk about, it's because I keep telling you. There's nothing original in the world. Nature's already set the patterns. We emulate those patterns. We are subject to those patterns. They require you to operate in a given set of rules. To be a human being and exist on planet Earth in this space-time right now comes with certain fundamental rules that that are governed by cause and effect, governed by physics, governed by simple reality. And the simple reality is, when you owe somebody else, they control your life and they slow you down and they hamper what you're able to do for yourself. When you owe no man anything... When you owe no man, or no woman, or no company, anything, you control your life, and you dictate life on your terms, and you get to go where you want to be. And there's nothing original, William Shakespeare, neither a borrower nor a lender be. 1300s, folks. These things are concrete principles of fact. And I'll tell you right now, you can take the debt out of your life. Every piece of marketing collateral that's been thrown at you, every statement that your buddy makes that wants the, the misery company, because he's in debt too and he doesn't want it. like, oh, you're not anybody in this country unless you owe people money. Every statement like that is a lie. The Discover card commercial that says... And I'll put a link to this video. This is one of the most disgusting pieces of marketing ever created. And whoever decided that this was good for Discover's marketing should be fired. I can't believe it's still on YouTube. And it's there on Discover's own channel. It's it's a terrible piece of marketing. I will put a link to it. A video that starts out with a lot of pretty people buying a lot of pretty stuff. And a lot of pretty music playing in the background. And a lady says... It's a consumer-driven world, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a lie. All of them are lies. You are somebody when you don't own, when you don't have debt in the United States. You know, you're not, you nobody if you don't have debt? No, you are somebody. And I'll tell you who you are. You are your own man or your own woman you are your own family and you control the destiny of your family and your children and your spouse and yourself. That's who you are. And if you have that, then all the other things we talk about, having a garden, building back up energy sources, making sure that you have six months to a year worth of reserves, that you can be sustainable without income, without dependence upon any system, and make your own choices with a boldness and a courage rather than a fear then becomes possible. And it's absolutely impossible the other way around. I want you to understand that people that are in debt routinely make choices they don't want to make. How many times have you said in your life, I wish I didn't have to do this, but God, I hate this job, but those people are pricks. They're not taking care of our customers. It kills me to be part of an organization like this. Have you ever made a statement like any of those? Or anything similar to them? And then said, well, i got to do it anyway because i got to put food on the table. That's the debt hanging over you your head making you make that choice and all you're doing a young man or young woman that's listening to this show because somebody older than you that's been through it told you to when you get that shiny new visa card and believe that you're entitled to it and you start off on a life that way it's setting yourself up to be like the people you're making fun of today those materialistic corporate jerks that you think are so arrogant and you realize they're they they they're, they're focused on things that don't really matter, you're right. You're just going to turn right into them as long as you walk through life with that credit card in your pocket. As long as you walk through life keeping your student loan around so long you think it's a pet. And on that, I think I'm going to wrap up. Because I, I really don't have anything else to say about debt other than you need to stay out of it. Hopefully, if you've been clinging to the belief that debt's okay, I've reached you today. I've given you everything I know about the subject and how it can destroy your life, rule your life, and influence your decisions in a way that's not in your own best interest. Now you have to take that information and you have to decide what you're going to do with it. And even though I gave you the debt snowball, your actual plan to get out of debt has to be your plan. Just like your survival plan has to be your plan. Just like your lifestyle plan has to be your plan. You have to come up with your own plan. And your own own way, and your own method, what you're willing to give up, what you're not willing to give up, where you're willing to work harder for more money, where you're not willing to work harder, where you're willing to live, where you're not willing to live. You have to make all these decisions for yourself. I'm not an arrogant guy that's going to tell you if you live exactly this way and do exactly these things, you'll get yourself out of debt in two years. You set the timeline. But for God's sakes, know what it is. Most people in debt, you go, well, how long are you going to be paying before you're out of debt? They have no idea. They say something like, oh, I don't know, 20 years. They don't even really know. Know whether or not you're adding to the debt every month. What is your total debt? You know how many people like hear call Dave's show when I listen to him at lunchtime? They don't even know what their debt is. They're like, oh, somewhere around uh, 30000 He's like, well, what do you got? And you add it up. And the guy owes 45000 He's $15,000 off just on what the balance is. So I challenge you today, whatever your debt is, figure out what it is. Put your debt into two classifications. Debt on your home and debt on everything else. And focus the debt on everything else first. Worry about your home in a different light. We'll talk about that in the future uh, when we talk about buying real estate and looking for bug out locations again. There's a different way to handle that type of debt. Paying it off early may not be the way to go, especially if you plan on selling it in the next two years. But everything else, it's got to go. Get into that classification. Know how much money you owe. Know what your payments are right now. Every single payment. And do a calculation. How long will it take before you're out? And then look at that number, and it'll do it for me. I won't have to convince you of anything. When you realize how much you owe and how long it's going to take for you to be completely out, zero. And you look at the fact that you're still spending, it'll make you sick. It'll make you put your face down in your hands. And you'll hit bottom just like a drug addict. Because you're addicted to credit, and then when you hit bottom, you can begin to recover. So take the step if you haven't done so yet. And if you are debt free, keep telling others how good it feels. You're now you've been born again, so to speak, into a world of freedom. Preach the gospel of that debt freedom. Tell people about what it means to be free from debt. And I'm not a religious guy, folks. It's an analogy. All right. So don't think I'm preaching at you. Right? It's up to you what you believe and how you believe and what you do with that belief system. Like everything else I say. But to me, that is the analogy. You've now experienced a, a complete new beginning. You now have complete control of your own life. But the reality is the people around you that are in this debt are going to cause you misery too. There's only so much freedom you can create for yourself as long as you live in a society. And that society itself is in debt. And and a lot of these problems, your home value being eroded is because of the debt that your neighbor's carrying. So when you help people get out of debt, it's in your own best interest. Trust me. So those of you who are debt-free, congratulations. Those who will soon be there, congratulations. Tell others. Those that are still in the prison of debt, understand the prison it is and the chain it is. And start chipping away at the bars and the links one at a time. It'll get easier as you go. And either way, keep on living that better life if times get tough or even if they don't you can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter because it all gets spent